Welcome to Grace and Peace Radio. I'm Anthony. And I'm Amy. And together, we talk about applying God's Word to everyday life. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. It's our hope that you will be encouraged and God will be glorified. And with that, let's start the show. Welcome once again to Grace and Peace Radio. I am Anthony. I'm Amy. And we are honored that you would join us again. And again, we trust that you are doing well in Jesus and growing in grace, walking with him. Exactly. So this week, we want to talk about, as I was reading through my Bible this week, I just started thinking about the stories of people who come to Jesus and the ones who just come to him with such an earnestness. And that's what we're going to be talking about today, this idea that we all need to be coming to Jesus in earnest. I like the word. I do. Just It's not a word that gets used very often, but it's the uh, perfect word to use. Yeah. So we're going to look at a few examples of that, and you'll probably come up with some others as you're reading through your Bible uh, this week and going forward. So just it's always fascinating, like I said, to observe people's reaction to Jesus. Before we do that, you want to tell them what we found at, at a thrift store? We were doing our usual thrift store run. I think this was the Friday night visit because we had nothing else to do. <laughs> so we found ourselves at Goodwill. And guess what we found? The uh, 1984 game called Children's Bible Trivia. The game where trivia is not trivial. We were stunned. So, of course, we bought it. So... We thought that would be really cool to uh, incorporate into the podcast somehow. Yeah. So we thought we would just have a little fun with it. And I'll tell you what, you ask me a question. Okay. I'll ask you a question. Okay. And then uh, we'll, we'll ask one and give the answer at the end. Sounds like a plan. We had 48 hours to discuss this and only now have we really finalized <laughs> how we're going to do this. This is how we work. <laughs> All right. So. Hit it. Your question. What do we now call the room in Jerusalem where Jesus and the disciples had their last supper? Uh, that would be, you know, if suddenly I'm going back and forth between, uh, I want to say the upper room, but then again, it's like, well, wait a minute, that's, isn't that, is that where Pentecost was? They were gathered in the room, but no, I'm going to stick with the upper room. You are correct. All right. And actually, I think they were in the same room at Pentecost. I don't think they went anywhere. Well, right? they well they rented out that that one. The Last Supper was a was a rental. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Yeah. But anyway, you are correct. Okay. Um, you know me; I like to do things on the fly. I'm going to change the rules. <laughs> now notice, that it's on notice you, listeners, when it's exactly me answering the question. So we're we're going to play this Jeopardy style. Oh, good. Um, I never remember I'm gonna, the an- I'm going to give you the answer. Okay. And then you have to give me the the answer in the form of a question. Which I never remember to do on those rare occasions I do watch Jeopardy. Okay, ready? Mm. Paul. (laughs) Who is the apostle who wrote the most letters in the New Testament? Man. No way. You're good. (laughs) No way. Wow. Oh, Actually, the the, uh, the question on that one was, what tent maker wrote <laughs> books of the Bible? Nice. So uh, I'll give you one more, since you were such a hot shot with that one. <laughs> yeah. Corn. <laughs> Delaware. <laughs> yeah. Well, that is definitely true. 
no. porn. Yeah, oh. I was just throwing that out there. What? Do you really have a, the, an idea? Well, the um, dream that, yeah, the dream that Pharaoh had that Joseph interpreted. Amy, look at you. <laughs> wow. I was I was just joking around, uh, kind of busting your chops with doing this Jeopardy version, <laughs> and you're two for two. Which of these did Pharaoh dream about and ask Joseph to explain? A, corn, B, a demon, C, stars, or D, a ladder to heaven? And and Amy just (laughs) nails it. Man. You are too kind. Well done. (sighs) All right. So what's the question for our dear listeners? Okay. The question is this, folks. Which plague upon Egypt was the plague upon the firstborn? Which plague upon Egypt was the plague upon the firstborn? You mean like what number? They don't say that, but that's, yeah, that's the the gist. All right. So there you go. Don't Google it. Yeah, really. That is cheating. We'll uh, we'll come back to that at the end if we remember. (laughs) Knowing us. If not, Google it. (laughs) (laughs) Then you're allowed to Google it. That's right. So Tuesday mornings, I go to a prayer meeting and... As I was there, you know, I, I was, we were praying and I, again, I was just thinking about our desire at that prayer meeting to seek after God. Mm-hmm. And as I did, what really got me, as I started thinking through that, I, I just, you know, one of my favorite persons of the Bible, uh, really, a, I guess you could almost say a hero in the Bible is the woman with the flow of blood. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I I had the opportunity to to preach about her, and I don't know. I, I that story. Ever since I had to study it for that, I, I've just really loved her and loved that story. And so I thought of her when we were at the uh, the, the prayer meeting, and, and that story is in Mark chapter five, verses twenty five through thirty four. In my Bible, which is the one year Bible, the entire NIV arranged in three hundred sixty five daily readings. So if you have your Bible, turn to February 21st. (laughs) Or turn to Mark. Yeah. So I'll read the passage. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. And she had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought... If I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask, Who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and, trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. And the observation to me, the application, not like the the primary application of the text, this isn't why it was written or why it was presented, but I think one example or illustration that can be drawn from it is, again, her earnestness, that here's the crowd 
And the crowd is, you know, they're, they're bumping up against Jesus, mm-hmm. and he's in the throes of the crowd. They're all kind of jostling and bumping and, and, and whatnot. And yet here's this woman who comes up behind him in this, again, earnest, desperate, she's in a desperate spot. Absolutely. Medically and, mm-hmm. and everything, and determined, determined. I mean, think about it. For her to say, if only I touch the hem of his cloak— I know that's going to heal me. I know I'll be healed. I I know this man can do it. Even if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. And she was in a desperate situation as well because she wasn't supposed to be around anybody. Right. Because she was unclean. Exactly. Great point. So she does this. She, I mean, just imagine her, you know, 15 feet away. I'm 10 feet away. I'm, I'm five feet. I'm, I'm all, I can almost stretch my arm out. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I got it. You know, I got a, a, a touch of his robe and, you know, just the, the, that whole experience. And anyway, when it comes to the, the prayer meeting, what I, what I was thinking was in our culture, even within Christianity, there are a lot of people who are jostling and bumping into Jesus. There are people that bump into Jesus for a little while because they're in trouble or, you know, it's sort of the jailhouse religion, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are people who bump into Jesus because of grandma played piano in church. Exactly. They grew up in church. You know, we live in the American South. That's a huge issue down here. Mm-hmm. And there are people who, like I said, they, they, they have this spirituality about them. that They'll include Jesus in their spirituality. On surface level. On surface level. Or they'll include some version of Jesus, on, even on a on a devout level. I mean, like I said, you know, there's devout Catholics or devout you know, mm, whatever. True. Um, but it's almost like an idol, almost like a works-based mm-hmm. kind of a thing, you know, that he's this relic on the wall. And yet, here's this woman who bypasses all of that and longs for Jesus. And that's the kind of person I want to be. Mm-hmm. I mean, this lady is really kind of a hero to me because I want to be that in my life. When I go to pray every day and read my Bible, that's that's the heart attitude that I have when I'm sitting there. Is I want to metaphorically touch the Lord. I want mm-hmm. I want to know the Lord and pursue Him earnestly, seek Him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of my, I guess, devotional thought, if you will. I like that. I always appreciate this part of the Bible, this this story of what Jesus did and um you know what the woman did too. But I like the I like your observation about the earnestness. It's just the desperateness of she's going to do what she needs to do to get to Jesus. Mhm. And then as I started thinking of that through the week, I thought of the other examples. In fact, the one that is both above and below it is the man, Jairus, one of the rulers of the synagogue, who comes to Jesus because my daughter is dying. He says, and this is just a few verses above that, in verse 22 of Mark 5, Then one of the synagogue rulers named Jairus came there. Seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet and pleaded earnestly with him. That's the NIV. Uh, my daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and will live. So Jesus went with him. So again, so we see that, that earnestness there. I never noticed that word, but there before. Mm. Very good. 
another example, just a, a few chapters later in Mark 7, 724, the uh, Syrophoenician woman who, uh, who begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. And, and you know, she's the one that Jesus said to her, first let the children eat all they want, he told her, for it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. Yes, Lord, she replied, but even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he told her, for such a reply you may go, the demon has left your daughter. She went home and found her child lying on the bed, and the demon was gone. And again, there's this woman, another outsider, mm-hmm. Syrophoenician, earnestly coming to Jesus. In faith. Mm-hmm. Another example, Mark nine seventeen. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. This is the man who says, you know, if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And Jesus says, if you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for him who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. And then, of course, Jesus casts out the evil spirit. So, again, there's there's someone coming in earnest. Mm-hmm. And then uh, one last example of that would be in Mark 10. And like I said, there are plenty of other examples. I'm just kind of picking a few because uh, the more I thought about it, I was like, wow, there's, there's a lot. Um, starting in verse 46, chapter 10, was Bartimaeus. They came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man named Bartimaeus, that is, son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now that's earnestness, to shout that. Exactly. Over a crowd. Mm-hmm. and yep. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. Here's a man who's, uh, I'm interjecting here, here's a man who's undaunted. It says, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And again, there's that earnestness. Then Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called the blind man, cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man says, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, Jesus said, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Mm-hmm. Love that. I do too. So those are just a few examples of true earnestness. And then by contrast, just an interesting sort of contrast of, again, this could be a lot of us. This was certainly me before the Lord saved me. Think of the rich young ruler, also there in Mark 10, 17 through 23. I won't read the whole thing, but as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? So here's this man who falls on his knees before Jesus. Here's mm-hmm. this rich man, uh, a ruler, and yet, to some degree, he's pious or humble enough that he deals. Falls at his feet, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is one of those rare instances where it says Jesus looked at him and loved him. Yeah, I have that underlined. Mm-hmm. And then when Jesus says, one thing you lack, go and sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. And the issue isn't the wealth. The issue is, of course, that he wasn't willing to give it up mm-hmm. for Jesus. So he was earnest, but not desperate. Mm-hmm. 
And to a certain degree, we need to be both. We need to live our lives with this daily, earnest desperation, this holy desperation that Jesus, exactly what you said is true. Without you, I can do nothing and fall on our face, as it were, mm-hmm. before him and say, Lord, I, I am desperate for you and your, your grace in my life. And understanding in that the complete and total dependence we really have on Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's it. Yep. It's not us. Yep. And it's not, a, it's not a desperation of anxiety or panic or anxiousness or any of those. It's not, it's not that kind of desperation. It's just a sincere acknowledgement to the Lord that we walk by faith, not by sight. That we need him. Without him, we can do nothing. Exactly. And I think that's a good clarification that we're not talking about an anxiety-ridden desperation. Right. And again, not to go down a rabbit trail about contemporary worship, but so much of contemporary worship in seeker-sensitive type settings, popular church settings, mega church settings, is all about woe is me. And, exactly. Oh, my life is so miserable. I'm so, I'm in such a dark place. I'm, things are so heavy. There's no talk of victorious Christian living mm-hmm. through Christ, mm-hmm. but there's this ungodly desperation. It is. I mean, because yes, you have those dark places, you have those those trials and afflictions, but you're supposed to be looking to Jesus with hope. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily change the situation, but you're still supposed to be looking at Jesus with hope, not in I'm never going to get out of this yeah. trench yeah, kind of thing. Not this sort of hand-wringing, mm-hmm. I don't know, an- again, anxiety, where right. y- these songs sound just like the world. Actually, they, to me, they sound worse than the world. I could see that. Mm-hmm. So, may we all go to the Lord with those attributes, I think. I agree. You I know. agree. And the blessing is the Lord, that's what He wants us to do. And He is more than able and willing to meet us there and to provide and to amply give us more than we ask or need. Exactly. And there are times that you and I have talked to people who felt that they're not good at praying because they don't have the right words. They don't have the fancy words and you don't need them. No. You really don't need them. He just wants to have a conversation with you. He just wants you to be earnest and desperate and realize Yes, mm-hmm. that you, all you have is your fall ability to rely on him. Mm-hmm. Fall on him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when it's really bad, and I've talked to this with friends who are going through really difficult times, as it says in Romans seven twenty six, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. Mm. So mm. We, we have that. Yeah. We have that assurance as believers in Christ that the Holy Spirit is also there with us helping. Yep. So it's both. It's, yes, in those times of true trouble and desperation, mm-hmm. but also just in daily living. Yes. That we would have a heart that says, Lord, I need you. You know, and that's really what was the the cry of our hearts when the Lord saved us. We cried out to the Lord saying, Lord, I'm a sinner. Save me, please. And in one sense, we don't stop 
pleading with the Lord to strengthen us, you know, mm-hmm. to, to, to work in our lives. Well, um, every day, His mm-hmm. grace is sufficient. Right. And that's what we, that's what we were looking to Him yeah. for every single day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's always a good reminder. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I just find it, it's a good reminder for me to never, never think that I have arrived or achieved or can stand on my own two feet. Absolutely. Because yeah. that is our downfall yeah. if we start doing that. Yeah. yeah. There's a certain amount of, yes, we know that, okay, we're mature believers, we're growing in Christ. Yes. In one sense, we are absolutely victorious warriors, and we have no idea who we are in Christ as far as the victory and the power that we have because of God, mm-hmm. you know, because of Him. Agreed. And, uh, so in one sense, you know, we are victorious. Like we are part of his advancing kingdom. Mm-hmm. So we are overcomers. But that comes, somebody said, you know, we we are victorious on our knees. That's good. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that was uh that was my no, thought I, for this week. I appreciated it. I appreciated when we were discussing it up to this point. Added some some thoughts and insight to to my prayer. Yeah. So I appreciated that. So we hope that was uh, helpful to you. Well, I guess we're done, right, Amy? I think so. Are we? Well, maybe one thing. What do you got? Well, back I, to our trivia question. That's right. That's not trivial, and kudos to us for not forgetting. <laughs> All right, so what was the question again? Okay, the question was, which plague upon Egypt was the plague upon the firstborn? And it's looking for a number. So, of the plagues, which plague upon Egypt was the plague upon the firstborn? And the answer is... Wait a minute, I just heard somebody say it. I I heard, you heard you. it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. Congratulations, you got it. You Good. got it. It's, it's the 10th plague. Well done. Yes, out of Exodus 11. Very cool. So, congratulations. Yeah. Oh, by the way, you know, we just want to mention as we close... Today's show is sponsored by BookSugarSweet.com, BookSugarSweet, S-U-I-T-E.com. That is a little one-bedroom, one-bath condo you can rent in Sugar Mountain, North Carolina, which uh, they just got their first snowfall. So they're gearing up for ski season. If you like to ski or snowboard or just make snow angels. Yeah. That'd be me. <laughs> I do none of the above. Exactly. Well, then that would be uh, a a perfect little getaway place for mm-hmm. you if you're in the Sugar Mountain, North Carolina area. So yeah, and check you, that out. And you saw that Sugar Mountain is actually making snow as well. They are making snow. That's about it for us this week. We just hope that you all have a good week and that your walk with the Lord is strong and humble and faithful. Stay faithful. Stay steadfast. I can't say it any better. Well done. Thank you. All right. God bless you. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Grace and Peace Radio is honored to be a member of the Christian Podcast Community and the Society of Reformed Podcasters. For more information, visit us at graceandpeaceradio.com or on Facebook. Until next time, I'm your host, Anthony Russo, and Jesus changed my life.